podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's the final pod in the year of chaos and disarray, suitably recorded in the backdrop of a hell of a game week, potmarked with last minute cancellations and less than 11 men being fielded galore. I think I speak for everyone when I say, fuck you 2020, <sighs> let's go on with it then and get out of here and get into 2021's loving arms, hopefully. Uh, Nick, you're right first, good Christmas? It's been all right, I guess, as good a Christmas as you can have when you're in full lockdown, consigned to your house, but... Yeah, tried to relax when I could, uh, played a few video games, ate and drunk plenty as well. So, yeah, pretty good all in all. Yeah, Just a reminder for our listeners who we are. We are, of course, who got the assist. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter um, and Instagram, wgta.fpl there. Um, like and subscribe to the pod as well and join our mini league, which the code is CPSUOF. And we're also joined, of course, by Anthony. Welcome back. Um, did you have a good Christmas as well? Yeah, good to be back, Nick. Nice to have all three of us on again together. Uh, yeah, it was a fine Christmas. It was inevitably quiet, but touch wood, it was safe. So we'll we'll take it. Uh, it was a tough game week, though. Uh, struck by misfortune uh, myself, like many, many FPL managers. So it'd be good to get into this pod, figure out what we can learn from it and move into 2021, as Tom says. So basically this pod tonight, with just over 40 hours between this pod being recorded and the Gaming 17 deadline on New Year's Day, we're just going to get through a load of questions that you guys have sent in about the state of the game amidst all this uncertainty. We do have some correspondence with Kyle Norbury making the most of the versatility of the slot by sending us in a poem. Finally, a poem. <laughs> another poem. And we also have the regulars, such as the Market Forces and Gamer Reviews, which we are going to start with. Yep. Uh... I guess rather than how many points did you score, I feel a better question this week is how many men did you field? Uh, let's start with you, Anthony. Uh, how did it go for you? I fielded 10 players, Tom, which wasn't too bad in the overall scheme of things. Um, 39 points is quite poor, but it seems like it's going to be potentially above average, around the 10k average, and probably enough to qualify for me for the cup, which is, of course, the main thing about this week. Where did the points even come from? Uh, unfortunately, I chose Johnston over Martinez, so I actually threw three points away there with that choice, but I felt it was a good choice, and I stick by it. I had Dallas with 12 points was the main deliverer, Bruno Fernandez, ever reliable, as well as Captain Salah with six, and then basically you have a bunch of twos and threes from Brewster, Mitchell, where did he come from? Uh, Chilwell had five points in fairness I brought in Martinelli which look okay you could argue why did you bring in Martinelli stag well I'm looking ahead at the blank game week which of course I'm not going to use any chips for and I felt like he was an interesting option you could say why not Saka I felt like Martinelli had a higher ceiling and I stick with that too wasn't going to go for the likes of Smith Rowe whose name does not have a hyphen I might note for everybody and also the likes of Neto, I considered, but decided not to go for him in the end. El Ghazi was on the list, but a bit of concern about security of the starts and probably thinking I was going to get Grealish, if at all possible, meaning that I wasn't going to get him in really. And then the Leeds guys would have been on consideration, but because I was trying to get blank game week players, the likes of Rafinha, who was considered briefly, really weren't in the running. So Martinelli is there, and I hope that that will pay off over the next few weeks. Uh, Martinelli is certainly not just a one-week punt. He's there for at least three or four. Uh, Suchek as well got a few points. And yeah, like, look, we'll we'll take it overall. Unfort- it was unfortunate really that Sufal didn't play. That's the, the absence that really hurt me, um, because obviously West Ham did keep a clean sheet, and he just 
didn't play whatsoever. And even if he played for a minute, it would have been of some benefit to me. And then losing my Spurs players, like I had Kane and Son, and obviously that was a multi-week thing that I've had the two of those in my team. And I probably paid the price of that, um, not having Salah a few weeks. But such is the way I've just have to take that one on the chin. Lots of people have to take that on the chin. Uh, just the game week before, since I wasn't around as well, uh, the Stevens Day or Boxing Day games, I got 60 points in game week 15, which was a pretty good score. Martinez flying me along with Suchek and Fernandez, uh, Cancelo, Dallas with clean sheets as well. So kind of, it was a fine week. De Bruyne a captaincy, I didn't have Salah, but I survived it. And so that was enough to kind of lift me overall. So I'm, I'm there now at around... 360 380k something like that um between both of those weeks and and it's not quite you know 100k for christmas or new year but it's it's close enough to that it's only the difference of a you know 20 points one captaincy decision basically away from being where i would have hoped to be at by this time of the year yeah nice steady uh progress over the festive period always good to see and next nick been pretty damn dreadful to be honest the last couple of game weeks for me um game week 15 I sold Bruno for Salah, um, so I missed out on Bruno's return. I also didn't have Patrick Bamford. I didn't get a single goal or assist that week. So quite a big red arrow um, from that particular game week with just sort of sort of clean sheets like Martinez and Walker-Peters sort of, and Dallas as well, just holding me kind of from dropping too much. But um, I did also bench Suchek, so I missed out on Suchek's return as well. So that was... Pretty awful with just 41 points in 15. And yeah, 16, disaster. I mean, yes, obviously everyone's had a bit of a shocker, but I um, took a hit to get Son in for De Bruyne and um, to bring back Bruno for Greenish. So got quite heavily punished by that Spurs game being cancelled. Also, Kurt Zuma not playing. Um, Also did some damage. Had likes of Calvert-Lewin, obviously with that game being cancelled as well, missed out on him. Um, and Adams only getting a one-pointer coming off in the 57th minute, you know, far from ideal. Ended up with just t- 10 men. Um, so Basuma was called into action, got two points from him off the bench. Got a Jamal Lewis 10-minute cameo as my 10th man. Um, obviously, I don't have Bamford, so he punished me again. Um, but uh, at least I got some points from the likes of Robertson tonight. It seemed like he wasn't going to play, but showed up for a nine-pointer. And and Stuart Dallas as well with a 12-pointer there, really important points this week, (laughs) considering how badly it's been. So I ended up with uh, 48 points, minus 444 net in total, just still in that top 100k, just about, but my rank has doubled. Over these past couple of game weeks, I was about 47k at one point. So, yeah, a bit disappointing to be honest. But, you know, can't complain in terms of the overall position this uh, stage of the season. Oh, definitely. Not. Top 100k at Christmas is, uh, I guess, one of the places to be. Uh, for me, though, top million for Christmas uh, was uh, was my aim. And I didn't quite make it, but uh, after Boxing Day, I did. Uh, so I got 54 minus 4 on Boxing Day. Um yeah, Salah blanked, um, but I did bring in Alioski and Robertson for Chilwell. Remember when he was out for the season due to that terrible injury? Yeah, I, I, I sold him for that week. And Diaz, I sold that week as well to get Robertson in. Um, and that kind of catapulted me, quote unquote, into the top million. I think I was 980k at the start of this game week. And the game was just gone. I am um, flexed my muscles a bit because I had 
12 men, lads. I, I actually had one point on the bench and Jamal Lewis. I've got 52 points uh, overall uh, this week, which was quite nice. Uh, Alioski coming through with a, with a goal in the 5-0 victory. Uh, Bamford, his second eight-pointer in a row. Uh, very, very nice there. Um, and obviously, I only wasn't, I, and I wasn't hurt too much by the absences. I had Son, De Bruyne, of such loads of money to lose out on. Uh, but those were, those were replaced by the likely lads of Brewster and Kilman, who both got me a saintly two points each. So four points off the bench. Uh, to give me 52 uh, which takes me up to about 820k which is okay um but i need to be doing a little bit better um i'm not too sure what i'll do i had two free transfers as well because i was all set to do kane in this week because i saw that film game for oh yeah that's the one i'm gonna do it and then i thought oh actually no no de bruyne no, he's got everton i'm not gonna lose any money i'm not gonna lose out by letting him drop i'm not really gonna lose out by delaying that that thought process by one week and um, so I did nothing in the end. And I think that that has been quite fortuitous because I'm not sitting there with a hit as well as having lost players. So I guess we'll come back to this later on. But the power of doing nothing really did come through this week for me a little bit. Um, yeah, no, another nice little green arrow. Nice to have a six-figure rank. Hopefully a positive push onwards to 2021. Um, now I've got six-figure rank. Hopefully I'm going to keep that six-figure rank and start pushing towards a, well, five-figure rank. Right. Moving on then to the market forces. Uh, Nick, I'm sure you're primed to be across these, having missed out last week because we were all obviously enjoying the festivities with uh, less than, I, don't know, I think it was less than 12 hour turnaround, wasn't there, between games? Uh, so this week, Nick, the market forces must be going absolutely mad. Uh, how are people reacting to a very fragmented week of action? Yeah, the market is uh, is rather discombobulated this week with the fixture cancellations clearly making managers very self-conscious in terms of decision-making. No real heroes to talk about. Not much rhyme and reason supposedly behind some of the decisions being made. Um, so Leeds, obviously, they are quite popular with a 5-0 win sticking out as a big result in a frustrating um, game week for most managers. Um, Bamford, Patrick Bamford's obviously the most transferred in player there now. With He's got 10 goals five assists um, in total now picked up a couple assists this game week one particularly dodgy one that perhaps shouldn't have been recorded but we won't go there um so yeah lots of interest there for the Leeds players and um, Stuart Dallas the other Leeds player in the top five most transferred in player he's been a little bit of a revelation um, and a savior for me actually really over the Christmas period when most of my other players did completely nothing he he turned up with a 12 points against West Brom six points against Burnley that's now four returns in total for him in a row so looking like a really good asset there that does have the tough game against Spurs up next so um, you know there are chances of a clean sheet in that one which should be a very open exciting game to watch if it goes ahead um, otherwise it's quite interesting really second most transferred in players uh, Jan Bednarek you know where, where did that one come from very odd when you first look at it there is sort of some context to it i guess so eighty thousand tra- uh, managers transferred him in but his teammate um vestigard yannick vestigard is the most transferred out player One hundred five thousand transfers out he's got a knee injury he's going to be out until end of january supposedly so obviously a lot of managers thinking you know what Vest- uh, vestigard out bednarek in straight swap um continue to back that Southampton defence um, who now have seven clean sheets to their name and, and Bednarak's actually um, snuck forward um, to being the third highest scoring defender now in the game so obviously a few managers looking at the old uh, oh he's scoring a lot of points let's get him in um, kind of attitude that we sometimes talk about but yeah that's a, that's certainly an interesting pick um, but yeah um, what do you think about the Southampton defence you, you guys worried about lack of coverage there or at the moment 
Yeah, lack of coverage in Sam defence continues to be a concern for me between McCarthy or any of the defenders. Kyle Walker-Fears, for example, is quite highly owned as well, especially in the community. It's been um, a bit of an issue for me. They've kind of tipped away nicely and they're, the defenders have you know picked up a nice few attacking returns as well, like the likes of even Bednarek, who we wouldn't have traditionally called a, a powerhouse by any means in an attacking sense, smashed to pick up two, which is um, a funny amount. But yeah, they've, uh, they've seven clean sheets now this season, which is really really solid going for the really really cheap price that they deliver and kind of a bit like Dallas they're kind of making it very easy for people to uh, fund transfers elsewhere and that's kind of even playing out this year this week we're seeing quite a lot of the mid price of action in the mid price midfielders the fifth most transferred in player is actually Pedro Neto um so he's had 73,000 transfers in it's another one I couldn't really get my head around I didn't really understand and I still don't know what's what's attracting so many managers to to Neto this particular week he he yeah, blanked against Manchester United, did pick up an assist against Spurs in, in game week 15, but they don't have a double game week. Um, maybe it's the, the fixtures of Brighton away up next, uh, luring a few managers in. And the fact that he has a game week 18 match, perhaps if people are looking and not thinking about free hitting, they might say, oh, Wolves have a game in 18. I'm looking at this guy, also 5.9, so pretty damn cheap. And again, he, he's um, over the course of the season, he's now the, the eighth uh, fielder in the game. So, so speaking for myself, I guess the reason why Neto would have been one of my transfer considerations is definitely, as you say, Nick, that he has a blank game week fixture and that makes him a particularly appealing option. But I think from the perspective maybe of managers who are kind of taking the, oh, he's scoring well uh, option, Neto is, of course, scoring quite well for midfielders and his price is quite cheap. And I think historically as well, there is going to be a bit of a bias towards Wolves when we've seen them do well in previous seasons. And whilst the lack of Raul Jimenez is partic- in particular is me making them not so as free scoring as they used to be just in general attacking wise they're just nowhere near as exciting as they once were the likes of Doherty being gone and things have definitely reduced uh, a certain amount of their verve that they used to have Traore no longer in the form that he was in as well it's definitely had a big impact on them yeah exactly another one that's actually been heavily brought in um Perhaps surprisingly, when you first look at it, it's El Garci. So he's um, had 71,000 transfers in, just 2,000 less than uh, Pedro Neto. But again, he's another player that's kind of flying a little bit under the radar, but has actually um, put in some impressive scores in recent weeks. So he's now got five goals in five games, picked up a brace against West Brom, a goal against Crystal Palace and a goal against Chelsea. And he's only 5.8 million. So a few managers also looking at him, another player with a, a game in, in game week 18, but actually his, um, his teammate Greedish is um, being heavily sold in contrast. So he's um, second most transferred out player, 95,000 transfers out of time of recording, um, which it seems a bit odd um, when you first look at it, I guess. But it's, it's been a couple of blanks for him. Maybe the people are selling him thinking I can um, save a few pennies by downgrading to Elgazi, perhaps, you know, theorizing here uh, for a couple of million, which can be invested in in the defense and forward line. But as I said, it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange market forces. We're having to try and justify and explain and, and look for reasons why these moves are being made when normally it sticks out like a sore thumb. You know, someone's got a brace and an assist and obviously they're being brought in or you know, heavily owned premium midfielder getting brought in. But this week, it seems to be all a little bit sporadic. Perhaps that's an indication of the sort of tumultuous uh, times that we're living in at the moment. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, right, let's move on to the correspondence then. And this week, it's a short and sharp one. It's more to remind you that the correspondence exists uh, going into the new year. Um, it has survived a lot longer than I thought it would. I gave it until game week eight when I was going to uh, cut its head off with a guillotine. Uh, but no, it's still here, lingering on, shambling on like a man shot in the leg. The correspondence section, Anthony, uh, what have we got this week? I think it's quite a short one, isn't it? You're like Robespierre, Tom, with your guillotine trying to kill things. Mother uh, may we. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, in spite of Tom's best efforts to uh, kill the section, it, it lives on. And you guys didn't need reminding that the correspondence section exists, of course. But Kyle Norbury certainly didn't need reminding because he sent us in a poem. Uh, Kyle, who you'll find on the Playmaker app um, as FPL Nerd, sent in a beautiful poem, I think. And uh, I'll proceed, I guess, by reading that to you. He doesn't have a title for it, by the way, which is, you know, it's an unusual choice from Kyle, but that's that's the sort of slot that this is. Correspondence can be whatever you want, even poems with no titles. Right, here we go. My embarrassingly long hair, like my rank, needs a cut and trim. So I could pluck up the courage to visit the FPL barbers. And with a frustrated yank, I open the door and walk in. I see a pack of casually dressed 18 to 30 year old blokes telling casual jokes about Pep being a bus driver and the genius of Mourinho. I inspect what it's like and remind myself of the top 100k scenery. I'm shocked to find a bold and modern style. No stats or graphs to be seen here. The chat is lacking in detail and much tactical tact. Casual men with casual hair and casual beards and moustaches talk football like they talk on TalkSport. I try to act casual to fit in but feel empty, sweaty and mentally unstable. As opinions fly wider the mark like Grealish's shots from distance, they chat about the season and discuss points. No room for price changes, form or fixtures. I listen in disagreement to the planless brashness. It would make me worse if I react, so I quietly laugh. I'm up next to have my dressing down and be told to fish the casual mould, that I must captain Salah and Bruno is a must-own, that Son and Kane are essential, Spurs the best attack in the league, the best assets along with Bamford, but no one else from Leeds. I feel inferior, a peasant, as I take in their boisterous drivel, an FPL nerd bullied by the lucky rich kids. I'd nod and agree. I don't care. My rank, like my hair, needs a cut and a trimming because it's starting to look very, very embarrassing. Beautiful. That, that, I think there were some vibes of uh, West End Girls by Pet Shop Boys there. There was definitely kind of a, a darkness to it that I really liked. A bit of a dystopian sort of sense of, uh, of darkness surrounding it, which I really enjoyed. Maybe a gothic theme there too, Kyle. Very, very nice. Nick, any uh, literary inputs you want to give there? Yes, my, um, my signal cut out for quite a lot of that. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick, they're feeling attacked. It's an attack on people with beards. <laughs> Definitely. It's an excellent poem, so, so well done there. Yeah, there we go. Thanks so much for sending that in, Kyle. Uh, we really enjoyed it. That's a that's a really nice poem, actually. And it is it does actually, I think it touches on feels that a lot of people who are listening could relate to with a lot of FPL conversations that we have. So um, thanks very much for sending it in. Kyle did, of course, send that to who got the assist at gmail.com. That's where you can get your correspondence to if you want to write a poem in response to Kyle or just off the bat for yourself or anything else, really. We're happy to have songs. We're happy to have voice memos, anything you want, send it in. And we will consider it for the slot because this is a very versatile slot where you can get anything in. 
Okay, let's move on to the Q&A this week then. Um, and I guess this week the distribution is that we've got one sort of you know existential question, uh, which would be the main question that we'd ask and debate if it was kind of a normal pod. And then they're kind of three or four extra sort of you know, year review sort of things alongside. Um, but anyway, uh, let's get on to the kind of the main question this week, the main topic, because alas, uh, things are an absolute crap show um we are kind of um in a, in a period which is very very hard to legislate for things are going on left right and center which are um setting plans out of kilter curveballs are being chucked at us as fpr managers and accordingly many people asked us this week um thank you very much for the questions uh when i asked for questions the key one was basically is it worth planning an fpl anymore uh, so chico fernandez uh, handy andy capper on twitter asked if it's even worth going to, into the detail of our planning now. He says it's very annoying to have devoted so much blame, brain power and for all to fail. Uh, General Zod said he's playing t- tic-tac-toe of his team sheet as so many players have missed out, so what can he do? Uh, FPL King Con also asked us about his teams. He's not sure what to do next. And FPL Gabriel, um, FPL Lens uh, Gabriel um, summarises it well, I think, and by asking, is it time to step away from plans and just play it game week by game week because there's so much uncertainty surrounding you know, the COVID and the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I guess kind of segueing into a general chat on how we navigate things. I think all the questions there will be answered by this. Um, how are you guys planning to look at it? Because it's quite an interesting sort of period, isn't it? I think you can. there's lots of different ways in which you can perceive of events and how they may impact you managing the team and may impact you planning forward. Uh, let's think about the main impacts first of kind of COVID. Do you think it's going to change the game in any way? Like, Are there any kind of key things that come through for you, Nick? Um, I think, well, I don't expect the rules to change, certainly, in terms of the game. I think we're going to continue as as we are um, as long as possible. Obviously, we never know if something else is going to change, if there's going to be some additional impact with this pandemic that means that football's fully cancelled again. Ideally not, but certainly for now, I think, you know, everyone just needs to prepare as normal. Um, you know, the Premier League are supposedly confident in their COVID protocols um, and there are no plans to suspend the season at this current moment in time so we have to kind of put all that thinking I guess to the back of our mind and just my advice at least would be just to consider where we're at the moment and uh, continue going on I mean Man City are now back in training um, after pushing for their fixture cancellation so that one's going to go ahead Uh, so for the moment I think you know we should continue but obviously when you're planning just make a few contingency measures Um, there's a few you should probably do that are worth just considering such as not captaining and vice captaining um, from the same fixture. Um, so I saw a few people getting punished there by having Kane as captain and, and Son's vice. Um, so try to avoid that if you can. And also just not rushing your transfers, waiting as long as possible before making decisions. Because obviously you, you can't completely you can't completely mitigate it obviously because we saw fixtures being cancelled four hours in advance of the game but you know just um waiting i guess a little bit if your transfers would be one piece of advice yeah so you've like you've this week we've had three hundred and eighty thousand managers who captained kane and vice captain son or vice versa and seven hundred and fifty thousand in total got zero points from their captains so i think that really emphasizes the need to at least captain players that aren't in the same game um just as a minimum uh, we've often talked about in previous years when there were storms going to hit England, you know, trying to captain players on different days, for example. So it's this is just a slight variant yeah. of that particular tactic and maybe it's a season-long thing, but it isn't something that's too hard. And, you know, I, it seems like Bruno is a pretty good vice-captain pick no matter what fixture they have. 
um, if he's not your captain and like just work away with that, I think from now on. Um, but to say that, you know, okay, yes, planning five weeks in advance with your transfers does feel more futile than ever. I think it was always slightly futile, but I think it feels much more futile than ever now uh, when obviously fixtures can be called off. It's not just the unfortunate player injury that you might have to deal with or just you know, rotation rest, etc. You've got a, a whole other dynamic which could affect the entire fixture and that, of course, makes it a bit harder. But at the same time, like Nick says, I feel like we need to kind of just continue the course and maybe play slightly more game week by game week. If you were to imagine this is a spectrum of like planning far in advance and just playing it week by week, we're probably adopting a slightly more towards the week by week strategy, but nothing too much either. You can't possibly ignore, for example, the blanks and doubles that are just over the horizon for us right now uh, with your transfers. That would be silly. And you're just going to dig yourself a hole. Those blanks and doubles are going to happen regardless. They just might be blanker. And that could be a bigger problem if that happens um, or the, the double might not be a double anymore. And look, if that happens, we'll have to uh, absorb that. And I, at least you know that everyone else is suffering that. You might suffer it more because you have the wrong players, but everyone is suffering it. And there's an element of fairness in it, even if it is unfortunate. Football is random anyway. So FPL and just the way points are accumulated can also be random. And that's OK with that. Um, there is, I think, also a greater argument for spreading out your budget through premiums. So the Kane Son double up, for example, was a bit of a, it was double trouble this week for a lot of people. Um, now you could say that the form wasn't there for those players to keep both of them anyway, just as Spurs were starting to wane. There was an argument to go through this uh, Spurs Fulham fixture with just one of them. I was one of the many who had to both of them and I lost out. And maybe there is the argument that you should just spread your money through premiums. But at the same time, that's very simplistic to say because the fact of the matter is, is Liverpool, for example, are, I know now they've just, they've just managed to blank, but Liverpool are by and large consistently good attack wise. And it's, there's an awful lot of argument to say that maybe Salah plus the likes of Mane is something that's worth doing. And likewise, we've had points in the season where Kane Son seemed eminently sensible or that, and I think we will have a time where a city double up will look quite appetizing again. Yeah, certainly. I think I agree with both of you that obviously it's more going to game week's game week, I, I think, as Gabriel said in the questions at the beginning. And I think it's more about sailing close to the coast than sailing close to the wind. There's a few sort of things that I was thinking about in terms of the main impacts before I come on to planning. I think one of the impacts is going to be that if things do get extreme, if we do start to see kind of games getting called off left, right and centre, it may be that fielding less than 11 becomes a bit of a norm. And if it isn't, rejoice. You know, it's great to be getting 11, 12 men something like that, having two points from a bench is absolutely fine because you've got some points that other people don't have, which I've got this week. Um, the other thing I think that this may actually do, obviously it's not happened this week with and last week as well with two salad blanks, but I wonder whether this might heighten the importance of landing captains um, just because you've got a limited pool of players who are actually going to be playing. And I also think there may be an impact um, around her mentality as well and kind of safety captain picks. I really think it may be a thing because... If there are a limited pool of players who are going to be ones you can consider, um, then maybe it will be that everybody will kind of want that kind of element of control, that element of safety, that element of, um, as Anthony said, that everybody suffers, everybody's in the same boat. Now, there's almost a sense of reassurance the last couple of weeks that Salah blanks, yes, but everybody else had Salah as well. And I know that's probably a bit crap, but I think that's one of those things that definitely 
if if it went well, I think it was one of the things that we would have all celebrated together as well. Um, and I think that maybe there's an element of kind of herd mentality around this. Um, there are a couple of things as well that I probably might worth mentioning. Uh, one is the power of doing nothing. We've mentioned this a couple of times and I realized over Christmas, I was reading idly some behavioral science books as sad people like me do. And I basically realized it was loss aversion, isn't it? And I realized the fact is that I feel less satisfied by losing points through transfers than I do by getting incomers right. I think that that means that if you can roll, do so. Um, for example, this week, and you you can just never know how that's going to have a positive impact going forward rather than if you take hits and it kind of goes wrong, or at least if you take hits and you've taken a minus four on a week where you get a catastrophe like this week, like it can leave you a lot more open than you would before. But on the other hand, I guess, uh, as a kind of counterpoint, hits could become more commonplace. Like in engaged players could be needing to reconfigure weekly in order to try to catch up. Maybe we'll see that minus four becomes truly the new zero. So maybe you'd see doing nothing being a bit of a differential, but everybody else week to week reconfiguring to try to kind of uh, face the meta as it is. And as Nick's mentioned, capsing and vice capsing in the same game has to be a total no-no um i think i learned that last year with, with the city arsenal game i think uh, did arsenal uh, city and arsenal both a double game week that week didn't they there's that storm um in england when i was in australia um which called off uh, the double game week and i had a uh, captain de bruyne and i think i advised sterling in the same game um which was really really terrible so yeah um one of those things that is probably worth adhering to but i guess the other thing um in terms of planning um, I mean, Anthony called it futile, and I think he's probably right. Like, there's a few different ways of looking at this in terms of the next few weeks because obviously you've got the blanks going on, you've got double going on, and that may change, and we can't really speak to that at the moment. If you wildcarded just now, I guess sticking to your plan is probably going to be still the case. Like, you're probably still going to be okay. Um, you might find that you may have to do a little bit of readjusting, but you probably are in a strong place, despite the fact this week, if you decided to go with a double city defence plus De Bruyne, maybe you've kept him for, for some reason, and you've got the double uh, Spurs as a defensive measure, maybe you may need to kind of make one move or two, but it probably is worth waiting for news. But those building towards a bench boost in 19 previously i wonder whether you would be thinking about that again reconsidering it a little bit could you deploy a bench boost at the moment with covid rates where they are is that really worth the risk of taking a few hits over the next few weeks maybe a tc instead may be a good idea and that free hit as well like maybe free hitting in game week 18 may not be as good as it could be if you're in a marginal situation where you've got six or seven players and you're not sure maybe it might be worth just muddling through there um if you're like me and you've only got like two or three players in that week you're probably going to have stick to the free hit but if you're kind of in the middle you're erring on this and you're you're not too sure between which one to do maybe i kind of say err on the side of caution and keep that free hit because there could be a truly horrendous game week coming up that you know, before the game week we find out that three or four games are off like suddenly you're in a huge position to benefit if there are loads of kind of well-owned players um nick how has this affected your planning for the next few weeks i was going to say in relation to the chips there just um obviously with the free hit that that is still planned to do it in game week 18 but um i would advise not to pick the button and actually start planning until the last minute perhaps because um obviously as I said earlier, the football is going to continue according to the Premier League and the FA, but things can change very, very quickly with this pandemic. We all thought Christmas was going to happen and then it all got cancelled. So there is the risk that, you know, over the next 10 days or so, we see such a huge spike in cases, um, hospitals overwhelmed, et cetera, et cetera, that a decision is made um, that 
the football just has to be cancelled and hope, hopefully not we don't want to see that obviously don't trigger it until we know for sure at least some games are going to go on maybe like the attempt for the 11th of january um because it said they, you know team value shouldn't really matter too much and um yeah you know you could potentially muddle through anyway without using the free hit. And a lot of us, you know, people like myself have a couple of Spurs players already. I've got Calvert Lewin, you know, I've got Aston Villa coverage. So I, I could potentially muddle through with sort of five or six players anyway and not have to free hit. So the plan is still to free hit in that week, but you know, I'm not gonna trigger it until the last minute. With um game week nineteen, I was talking a lot about triple captaining that game week. Um and obviously I'm not necessarily going to do that now because I don't know for certain if um, my triple captain choice would probably be Mo Salah, to be honest. And I don't know for certain they're definitely going to play both those games. Something could happen. It could be cancelled. I'm looking at the teams now with fixtures that need to be rescheduled. People have talked about the possibility of a triple game week at some point later on in the year. So for me, the TC, I'll, I'll save that chip, I think. I'm not going to use it in game 19. Uh, for now, I think everyone should stick to their plans. I'm, I'm certainly sticking to my plan. My plan was to model through, and it will continue to be modelled through. Uh, I, I feel even more strongly that holding the free hit chip, for I was, I guess I was holding it, thinking that I was saving it for some sort of future blank game week. But you know, possibly holding it for a game week where we learn on the Wednesday that there's going to be only six fixtures at the weekend could be particularly useful. And there's that seems eminently more possible than it felt uh, two weeks ago, even though nothing has changed. Uh, in the world, really, um, aside from the fact that just, you know, certain people have happened to pick up COVID and has just kind of dented our confidence in the whole entire Premier League bubble system that's kind of been ongoing and how likely the Premier League is to have games postponed as well, I guess. We had a huge amount of precedent to work off uh, previously, whereas, uh, unfortunately, we've now built a huge amount of precedent uh, in the last few weeks so that we can kind of, basically, it'll probably be called off, seems to be the general uh, feeling towards these things now when the cases come out quite late in the week um so I'm, I'm quite well set for that blank game week and i'm not too concerned i wasn't concerned about the double game week and i remain unconcerned by it at the same time i do understand why you're saying to stick with the, whatever plan other people have i wouldn't maybe as you were saying nick you're gonna you're thinking you'll just use your free hit i wouldn't be afraid to use it um still if you're going to be caught muddling through if it's an option it's there um, because even the blank, the people who've been managing themselves in expectation of a blank game week, uh, of the blank game week, may have to muddle through even like a free hitter. The people who are planning to free hit might have done. So overall, I don't think there's a huge amount to lose or gain um, from that free hit, or more and more so that's the case. I think it's more about playing what's in front of you. Um, and as you said, Anthony, you know, recent events have re-dented our confidence in the reality of the calendar continuing and i said this week a few times that i felt a pause was looming um but that was rebuked by the premier league today and he basically has said in another way of putting it that the show must go on until things basically mean that it has to grind to a halt because things have gotten too unsafe to do so um so i guess just for us as fpl managers the, the real help come is that we have to play what's in front of us still i mean everybody's still going to be in the same boat as, as we said a few times if things do go wrong and ultimately you can't second guess covid any more than you can second guess pep's rotation strategy it's just one of those things which is quite difficult to le- legislate for um 
there are a few kind of tweaks you could make. So as I said, maybe bench boost. If you are building towards that now, if you didn't wild card a minute ago, maybe you might want to think again about that. Um, I'm certainly thinking again about that triple captain, um, as the guys have said um, in game week uh, in game week 19, just in case Salad for whatever reason is ruled out of one of the games or one of the games is called off. Of course, there's definitely kind of a few tweaks you can make to your plan. Um, but I, I think the key message for me is you know play what's in front of you there is obviously this uh, thing stalking us um but for now it looks like the football is going to continue it looks like we are not going to go into another kind of a semi uh, break of any time soon indeed the players um, i think uh, jack Grealish commented on something that gary never wrote just today saying that a two-week circuit circuit break would do absolutely nothing because in reality the players would still be training together and still go home to their families so it'd just be the same as now and the premier league have said that they're still confident that their barriers um, are going to be conducive to the football season continuing. So, um, yeah, play it as play what you can see. Um, don't alter your plans too much, but of course, make necessary precautions going forward. That's basically the be all and end all of it. Everything else is just superfluous. Gut. No, that's good. No, I think that's probably that probably makes sense in terms of how everything um, may work out. Well, we've just spoken for a while. Let's take a break there and maybe go to the bathroom, and uh, t- and we'll be back uh, for the last couple of questions before we end up. You got the assist. You got the assist. Imagine going to the bathroom mid short pod like this. How unprofessional. <laughs> Jeez, Tom. The, uh. the suggestions you make. So we're back and it's time to kind of go through a few dis- more discursive questions, I guess. Um, just kind of looking back at the years that we've had. The first one, I guess, is uh, RFPL moment of the year. Uh, so John O'Forward asks, what is this for us? Uh, as does FPL Pricey, who asks, who says he needs some more positivity uh, in terms of the last week, which was, as we've said, a bit of a train wreck for some people. Uh, Anthony, what was your moment of the year? Yeah, a note of positivist manager that I am. Um, no, there is actually a positive memory um, from 2020 and it really sticks out for me. But it goes right back almost 12 months. We're talking about the guts of 353 days ago or something like that. January 12th, uh, when Sergio Aguero got a hat-trick and got an assist, three bonus points uh, for 20 points in total. And I captained him when he had an effective ownership of just 3.65% in the top 10K. And up until that point, my season had been a complete and utter train wreck. I um, just through tweets, I can pretty much track how that game week went for me. And going into that game week, I was at about 1.7 million. That captaincy in a quiet enough week launched me straight through back up to about 800k or something and just allowed me to get to a point towards the end of the season where I had a fairly respectable rank, you know, nothing great or anything, but something like 400k was where I finished. But Without that week, I'm not sure where I'd have ended up um, because things were very mediocre. It was basically a wild card and a good captain. And I was feeling very good about myself again. And that was definitely my moment of the FPL year. Wasn't that just before you started doing the pod as well? (laughs) We'd actually just started. Tom had actually just gone um, because I could saw one of my mentions, um, Lee from FPL Family had been asking, was this the the moment that was going to start Stag uh, off, you know, on a differential upon that would lead him to the top 10K in Tom's absence? This was one of his questions. So it must have been just as Tom went away to Australia. That happened. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's just been downhill since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's improving. It's improving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. improving again. You're doing all right. You're doing it's all right. Improving. Yeah, Nick, you were 100 points ahead of me. Now you're like 43 ahead of me. I wouldn't get too big in your boots there, son. 
right. Got a few bench points. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess for me, actually, I was trying to think about my highlight of 2020. Obviously, it's been insane, yeah, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, I think when we talked about it over the COVID period, I was pretty positive about the Harvey Bronze brace and assist before her football was cancelled um, and I remember fondly uh, Stag's reaction to that obviously when we were live recording just because you were just so down in the dumps as we got those honestly yeah returns, the, the so Premier League never was, got uh, there was never a game played for 100 days and I wasn't over it when we came back 100 days later <laughs> you you're still not over it I feel like by, by your reaction right now um, on camera but um, yeah it, it, I think that's, that's a particularly uh, fond moment for me obviously there's been a few good moments this campaign as well uh, non-FPL wise watching Spurs demolish United um, particularly special um, and just the joy of having both Son and Kane just smash it in FPL a few weeks in a row um, it was it was pretty brilliant um, also obviously the Dallas returns and the Zuma 14 pointer in game week 7 Okay, no, fair enough. I think that was, uh, those are all ones that I remember very well. Um, for me, there, there, there's one um, that I initially thought of, which is waking up in Australia to Salah's 48-point triple captain. Um, but I know that's a very thorny issue for many people because of their manager, triple captain. So I'm going to leave that one. The other one I wanted to pick out was uh, Craig Dawson's goal for Watford, my bench boost in the game with 34 last season. So I got 121 points that week, and it was the, my first time top 100K for the first time in years didn't last didn't last and um, but so many things went right for me that day uh charlie taylor nabbed an assist um, i think it was his third career assist um, on route to the 12 pointer kevin de bruyne who I didn't captain he got I mean, an assist in a 5-0 city win and uh bruno fernandez uh scored a pen and got an assist um so yeah absolutely amazing as my captain but it was all set up by dawson uh craig not michael dawson a derided pick by some who didn't know who he was before he was the ex-Cotton player um, but I noticed he was getting so many shots per week but he was by far and away bottom the stats so I shipped him in as a punt and that kind of set me off on that brilliant week that I got and it, just for a moment obviously it didn't last so I said I genuinely felt like a proper FPL player again um, but yeah I, I guess this kind of links nicely to the next question so I'm just going to do that segue now um, which is our biggest FPL mistake of the year uh, Praz United asked us to give some more light relief and relate our biggest error of the year so far in FPL or otherwise and mine links very very nicely to that so I was on top 100k and I had two choices one I could take minus four double down on my bench boost kind of success and kind of keep going or I could roll my transfer and um, you know try to kind of consolidate and what the, what I'd have done if I'd taken a hit would I would have been what I'd have done was if I'd taken a hit buying Antonio um, ahead of playing Norwich and I'd have captained him and I didn't I rolled my transfer and uh, Antonio and uh, then proceeded to score four goals um, which was incredibly annoying uh, I still it still upsets me to this day that I passed on buying Antonio um, so I guess like every year there seems to be some sort of like unlikely lad of an English forward who is just very unexpectedly dominant. So we had, um, and I always seem to miss out. So I had Vardy when Leicester won the league, didn't own him at all that season, did terrible. Um, Danny Ings last season, and now it's Bamford, the previously derided as a Cameron Jerome-esque character who just wasn't good enough for the Premiership. And I've not owned him all season, so that's a big mistake of mine. Um Missing out on all of those points. I've actually, last few weeks, I've had Calvin Lewin, Kane, and Adams as my free forwards, and it just gets worse and worse for these guys. Literally, I had a quick look before the pod. Um, so, five weeks ago, they got 22 points between them. This uh, four weeks, 12 points, then eight points, then five points, and then this week, one point between the three of them. So, 
missing out on Bamford has, uh, has particularly stung in, in recent weeks. Otherwise, um, more recent, I guess, just trying to rotate Salah and Fernandez blown up a little bit in my face. The one week I didn't have Salah, he got fucking... Um, the one week I didn't have Salah, he got 16 points in about 35 minutes, which is ridiculous. And then since then, I've captained him two games. He's blanked both and not owned uh, Bernandez for um, for Wolves, where he got a haul. It's just, oh, it's just really frustrating. Trying to sort of go without either one of those guys a really stupid mistake, ultimately. And um, it's cost me a lot of points. I could definitely look to mistakes like some of the ones you spoke about there, Nick, where I didn't own Bruno Fernandes for the vast majority of this season, and that has cost me dearly. I didn't own Salah. I'd like you had to transfer him out as part of some sort of uh, move around that didn't quite work out. Um, so I missed out on him coming off the bench against Palace with a big score as well. And then in general, I just kind of, I had put my eggs in some of the wrong baskets at the start of, that se- of this season. And I think I've just got to the point where I've fixed it now. I did miss out on the triple captain on Salah, that, but I missed out on that not because I had uh, Mane like so many others in a fail. I instead held my chip thinking that there was another better week coming and the week never came. My triple captain was a damp squib and I just generally missed out. And, you know, the meta team, let's say, gained 40 extra or 50 extra points on me. And the, the meta didn't need to gain any more points on me. And it, I just left at this easy opportunity to do so. So that'd be one of my biggest FPL mistakes of the year. I think the other one was misjudging the project restart uh, opportunity to have an extra wild card, which was effectively what it was. I, unlike most FPL managers, had already used my second wild card before the lockdowns happened. And as a consequence of that, I tried to use that extra wild card to set me up to kind of survive the blanks and doubles that were to come. And in the end, all that did was mean that I, I missed out on a pretty big week the very first week that Project Restart came back, that whatever it was, game week 31. I missed out on that week. I didn't use a bench boost that week when many others set up teams to do so and benefited quite well from it. And just all the way through those last nine game weeks of the season, I kind of paid for that mistake. So I would actually say in terms of just like as an error, that just compounded. Like there was a ripple effect from that that probably lasted all the way through Project Restart. It meant I generally didn't enjoy Project Restart from an FPL perspective or even a football perspective. I love the Champions League, but I really struggled with Project Restart itself in the Premier League. Yeah, I very remember us talking about the word bubbles far too much. Bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. Uh, it, it was one of the words of the year for me. And uh, finally, uh, FPL Simpson asks if you could sum up this, this season with a quote uh, for him, it would be a Simpson quote, which would it be? Um, for me, um, what I was thinking of was when we were about FPL and I was playing fantasy Bundesliga and respectfully Champ Man, which is a great game in its own right. Um, but I was thinking about that great quote um, when uh, the, there's a Bane crowd all looking for kind of drugs or something outside Dr. Hibbert's office. And he says, blah, blah, blah. Anything I would give you would be a placebo. And the crowd says, where can we get the placebos? Maybe there's some in this truck. Ah, killer bees. Ah. Really, it's, it's, I just I just think I, as much as I love playing fancy Bundesliga and as much as I love playing fancy Champman, it's not the not the real thing. There's so much that could be improved by fancy Premier League, which I will talk about until the cows come home if you give me the chance to. Um, but it really is just I think the, the game um, that kind of keeps me going gives me the raison d'etre. Um, so 
um, and obviously I, I hope it doesn't get called off um, although for safety reasons if it does get called off then fair enough uh, for a little while um, but anything that you do kind of play as a pay limitation um, it's kind of always going to be the Pepsi to the Coke isn't it um, it's not going to be the real thing um, so yeah uh, that, was, that was the one that kind of came through for me rem- remembering that kind of March period when things felt a bit drifty although we did have fun doing our Sunderland side eye stuff didn't we uh, Anthony what about you I feel like this is possibly the most judged question that we're ever going to have, Tom, from the Slack group. There's some serious Simpsons enthusiasts there that who are going to really be uh, judging our choice here. But I'm going for a very stereotypical uh, Simpsons quote, maybe one that many people would go for. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the football that's wrong this season, is uh, my adaptation of a Skinner quote that uh, I feel pretty much sums up how, especially the start of this season went as, Villa thrashed Liverpool and City didn't fly as we expected them to and United somehow kept drawing out points basically thanks to Bruno Fernandes and I didn't have him just none of the football made sense and I struggled to do it and it's the football's fault not mine all that XGA <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. so I guess for me I've got to go for one that's always quoted at me whenever I get returned so the guys always say everything's coming up Paris um <laughs> like Millhouse that's the one that the guys always seem to throw at me whenever I seem to get some random Dallas return etc cetera, etc cetera. so I've gone for that otherwise I'd say for the last couple of weeks it's, it's felt pretty crap so I'd probably say worst game week ever <laughs> yeah that's it for me <laughs> I think everything, everything's coming up Paris is so true though uh, since we started our GCA or at least uh, for the last kind of couple of years it's just been it's been definitely crazy last year you won our little mini league the paid one and this year, it's just been the case of even even if you've ended up using your second bench, Nick, and your captain's blanked, you still managed to beat me by five or ten points. I just don't know how don't know how you do it. It's just pulling points out of your posterior, smuggling all sorts of things. Absolutely crazy. All right. Uh, with that in mind, let's move on to the final transfers and captains of this year. I don't know what we're going to do because obviously there may not be football this weekend. If there is... What are you guys going to do about it? Uh, Anthony, what are you going to do? I feel it's quite likely that there'll be football this weekend. I'm Maybe that's because I'm just not living in the UK and kind of absorbing the BBC that I just don't have quite the same feel for it as you guys do. But I feel that the... You know, I feel that the Premier League got back at a time where we felt it was much harder to get back than it is now. And the Bundesliga was back with a similar bubble format uh, when the whole entire virus epidemic was a far more uncertain, far more scary... Uh, ongoing issue than it is now and of course it's an ongoing issue and it's extremely serious and stay at home and wash your hands and everything else that goes with it Um, and so with that in mind looking ahead optimistically to this weekend I have a bunch of players actually now that look like they have good fixtures and I feel quite great about it Um, starting up top will probably be Kane and Calvert-Lewin I'm going to captain Kane against Leeds I think um, although Bruno Fernandes against with Villa at home does feel like an appetising option, even if Villa have been quite good, just because he's just so dependable, feels like a good option. I've Son, Salah as well, both with good fixtures, I guess. Uh, Martinelli, I will keep and I will play against West Brom. Suchek, I feel like you can't bench him now. He could have scored again, actually, um, for West Ham this week. So he continues to be a threat. He's their joint top goal scorer now, which is hilarious. Uh, Mitchell is now playing. And if there's good quotes from Roy Hodgson, he will start. I've kind of kept him third bench, fearing that he'd come on as a sub at some point for one point and kind of screw me out of a good clean sheet somewhere else. But with Sheffield United at home, if there's a positive quote, he'll play. I have Sufal, who I presume will play against Everton. And I put him in there for his attacking outlook, if anything else. And I feel like Dallas is now in the unbenchable zone. He's just been consistently returning so much. And I'll probably play Martinez over Johnston 
being bullish about Arsenal and Martinelli in my midfield. Uh, that would leave me with the bench of Cancelo, who it seems will probably be ruled out if the rumours are to be believed. Uh, Brewster, and I think I'll be benching Chilwell as well, rolling my transfer uh, ahead of the blank, basically, getting myself ready to do two transfers ahead of that. Oh, so I think, yeah, for me, um, I'm I'm looking at my team. I think I'm going to stop fiddling around with the midfield and attack for now. It seems pretty settled. I could potentially get Bamford in, but Calvert-Lewin's got West Ham at home, so I'm probably going to leave it for another week. I can't get rid of Adams as a straight swap, unfortunately, for Bamford, because Bamford costs too much now, and I've got nothing in the bank. So it will probably be the defence that needs a little bit of work, just because I've got Robertson, I've got Dallas, who's probably going to play, but then I've got... Walker Peters with Liverpool at home and Zuma City at home and um, Lewis as Leicester. So I don't really fancy any of those guys at all for clean sheets. So I'll probably get rid of Lewis because he doesn't start. Um, but then he only gives me 4.3 million to spend. And it's very slim pickings at that price, to be honest, like looking at the options available. Uh, so, you know, it could even be Mitchell off the back of what you were just saying. Perhaps he'd be the, the nailed on clean sheet. But I don't really want to get in someone that I'm a bit worried about as a you know, a rotation risk going forward. I could look at, um, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Stroik, I think it is, from Leeds, 3.9. He's another potential option um, who's going to be playing for the moment whilst Cooper's injured. So um, could bring him in perhaps for the double game weeks as well and Leeds fixtures. Uh, but then I'm doubled up on Leeds for this particular game week, which I don't want to do. So maybe Mitchell, also Eric Peters, the other one I'm eyeing up, Burnley, 4.3 million. Definitely playing now. Charlie Taylor's done his hamstring, but he's been playing last couple of games anyway. And um, that, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to wait and see, though, in case Fulham are still COVIDed up, because obviously that game was cancelled because they had so many cases. So there's a risk. If any fixtures cancelled next week, it'll be that one that's potentially cancelled. So that's the risk there. Um, so I'll, I'll see what I do there. But in terms of captaincies, probably going to give it to Son. I just fancy him on the counter against Leeds. Going to be plenty of attacking opportunities in that game. Going to be a very open game. Should be as long as Jose doesn't uh, Jose doesn't park the bus too much. But we'll wait and see there. Salah probably going to be the vice, I guess. Maybe Fernandez. Who knows? But yeah, that's my team. Yep, no, certainly makes sense. Sounds good, guys. Um, I am well. Part one's already been done, so I did KDB for Rafinha. Um, just before he rose, and um, because I've got perfect cash to do uh, Charlie Taylor, who looks like he's got a hamstring problem, so he'll be out for a little while. Um, and move him on and probably bring back James Justin, a bit of a tail to my leg sort of move. But Newcastle away, and then I free hit, and then double game week uh, means that he's probably worth getting just because of the ownership alone, frankly, and because of the advanced positions he's taken up in Ricardo Pereira's continued absence. I've been waiting for a long time for James Justin not to appear. So a couple of weeks ago, every time Leicester play, I'm waiting for that clean sheet to go. Um, so be nice to be on the other side of that. And I think I'm going to do Brewster to Vardy as well. Um, just because as he is um, touch wood uh, before Newcastle, uh, the surest thing to play, I think, um, just because he didn't play against, uh, didn't start, that is, against Crystal Palace. And he's got a double game coming up as well. So I'll be doing, uh, in effect, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Charlie Taylor and Brewster out for Rafinha, um, just James Justin and Vardy, which I think is a decent minus four, sets up nicely for the double game week and the blank, and, and I'll be free hitting the blank anyway. Right, uh, I think that's probably it, isn't it, Nick? Thanks, Tom. Yep, we are who got the assist. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And, of course, Happy New Year to all listeners as well.
Yeah, indeed. Happy New Year for me too. We will be back on January 4th, assuming that everything actually goes ahead with a guy called... Hang on, I need to check my... No, what's... Who, who is this guy? Mark Southerns. Who's that? Tom, who is he? Never You've got him coming him. on. Never heard of him, but I mean, after that Irish dude that you recommended last week, FPL, FPL corporal, FPL private, oh, FPL... lieutenant. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we thought we thought we we thought we'd um, give another chance to some little known account, uh, Mark Southerns. Uh, CRE gets on, I suppose. No, uh, really, really looking forward to that. Of course, uh, one of those people, Nick and I have hero worship for a few years. Um, but in the meantime. I hope we assisted you in 2020. Happy New Year from us at WGTA. And we'll speak to you in 2021 on uh, Monday or well, Tuesday morning for you guys next week. Goodbye. Slon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.